Welcome to Rivers Fog, a podcast dedicated to navigating and clearing the hazy fog of grief by sharing inspirational, raw, beautiful, and sometimes humorous stories. We gather and share stories from real people. Some guests are nationally recognized speakers and authors, as well as guests who may be your neighbors. They share a mixture of passions, talents, and struggles, and often breathtaking healing and advocacy journeys as we connect and support them being vulnerable enough to share the gift of their grief story. Grief is beyond just a death. It's any form of loss. This podcast does not provide medical or therapy advice, but rather creates opportunities to transform the way we think and talk about grief and the importance of recognizing our daily griefs. To support and learn more about our projects and works, please follow, like us on Facebook, and support us at Patreon at WMMEVV. Also, reach out if you believe you or someone you know should be a guest on our show. Rivers Fog is brought to you by What Matters Most Evansville, Inc., with the co-founders and hosts, Jim and Andrea, who simply want to create ripples in the water in your community so you can live well and die well because you can grieve well all the losses. What Matters Most Evansville, Inc. started Share Your Grief Story Project Anonymously. Our goal is to create more opportunities for people to share their grief stories to promote greater healing, benefiting both individuals and the community. Everyone is invited because everyone has a story to share. This project will remain active with no plans stopping. The reason we're doing this is that research shows grief heals more wholly when it is witnessed and shared in some context, even anonymously. This is particularly important to our organization to offer our community. We know there are some grief stories. This may be the only way it is heard. Grief is a complex emotion, encompassing all forms and types of loss, not just a death. This includes, but is not limited, to a loss in relationships, loss of needed support, losing parts of your health, future hopes, and so, so, so much more. How to participate? All you do is simply mail in your grief story anonymously to our P.O. Box, seen in the show notes. We non-tech savvy folks quickly learned that there is no way to do this anonymously online. And we also believe there is something therapeutic by writing this out. Disclaimer, by sharing your story, you are giving What Matters Most Evansville permission to share the entirety or parts of your story with others anonymously. For example, on this Rivers Fog podcast, social media, research purposes, etc. We plan sharing more stories we receive in the mail in some form. It may be full episodes, bonus features shared in our private group, which you can join from Facebook, or who knows what power these stories may hold for the future of Evansville and your community. Before I share some of these stories we've received so far, I want to provide a disclaimer. These stories may evoke an array of emotions depending upon a plethora of factors in your own personal life and worldviews. Having said that, this is not a time to judge, but rather practice leaning into the discomfort of grief, understanding, and compassion. 
An additional disclaimer is that we believe that this episode is for adult listening ears only. The letter I am reading was written by a woman that is all that I know. Um, here's the first one. Dear What Matters Most, Evansville. A friend sent me the picture of the invitation to this project. I'm not sure if this is what you were wanting. However, the day before my friend sent this to me, I was just thinking how I needed to do something with this complicated grief inside me. I'm a mom. I struggled conceiving and at one point almost got divorced because of the stress related to it. We had a child but wanted another one. I did numerous tests, meds, diet changes, you name it. I loved my husband. However, our bedroom no longer felt like a place to relax and enjoy each other's company. It felt like a place to work with tasks to complete. He was my high school sweetheart and a great husband until our relationship was altered when trying so hard to have another baby. I did something I never would have imagined in a million years I would do. I had an affair. One time fling with a guy I just met. Ironically, on a getaway weekend, my husband encouraged I take. Well, I got pregnant by said stranger, whom I didn't even have his full name or phone number and no means of contacting. He was, quote, Jeff the hot guy on a business trip who smiled big when talking about his dog, end quote. He was a complete stranger whom I felt more comfortable and relaxed naked with in five years than I did with my own husband, whom I loved and adored. People thought we had the perfect marriage. My family was so excited to later hear the news I was pregnant, including my husband. Everyone was saying what a blessing, how they had been praying for us, and my husband finally started wanting to reconnect again, how I wanted him for the past six months. This baby's birthday was around Christmas, and he's grown now. I've never been able to truly enjoy the holiday season because it just reminds me of the huge lie I've kept inside all these years. My family, coworkers, and my church would have been so shocked, judged me, and likely cut me off. I truly don't know if anyone could stand by me through if the truth ever came out. I've lost, re- <clears throat> excuse me, I've lost respect for myself and hopes of ever having a genuine, healthy marriage. What mom doesn't want to see their kid happy and smile? However, it's hard sometimes because he kind of looks like the hot Jeff and what wooed me in the first place years ago. I'm grieving the loss of an honest marriage, respect for myself, the hidden truth for my son, and continue to grieve what I daydreamed about before pregnant with my youngest. Being a happy, loving mom, watching my kids grow up. But now I'm to the point, I just want him old enough on his own. So I don't hurt as bad every time I see, every time I see him and someone calls him my miracle Christmas baby. This is nothing Jesus wanted to be a part of. Just typing this out made me feel a little lighter and gain a little hope that one day I can believe I can better live with myself. Sincerely, Mom wife, adulteress, and griever of the unshared. If there's anything that I hope hearing this grief story does for you is that grief can be so complicated. It can be so silent and so painful. We never know what grief stories people are walking around with, that we're sharing a meal with, an office with, and sometimes even a bed with. 
This next letter comes from someone I personally know, but has requested to remain anonymous. And I just give her great praise for sharing. I'm a healthcare provider. I see people come in with fear, struggling to breathe, confused and overwhelmed during this pandemic. I make phone calls to loved ones who can't visit my patients. I give unfortunate updates of a COVID diagnosis. And although usually the patient improves and fully recovers, I witness and hear the constant pain and grieving of others. I'm to the point I feel either numb, angry, or downright hopeless. I don't even know how to grieve, but thought I would share that grief sometimes can be a roller coaster. I know that I'm a, quote, hero, as the signs say, being on the front line. However, we are not the front line. We are the last resort. I don't feel like a hero. I feel exhausted. Yet with what little energy I have, I'm almost instructed to, for my management, to push down my grief and pretend we aren't seeing all this pain and loss. It makes me ashamed to be a nurse when I see nursing managers suddenly forget why we became a nurse in the first place. I'm grieving what I thought being a nurse in a pandemic would look like. I thought we would be creative in ways to help people feel cared for, connected to, and focus on what matters most. Not to feel more isolated and constantly signing papers and answering repetitive questions. Why can't we ask things like, when's the last time you've gotten to see or talk to your loved one? Shouldn't that be part of our assessment? Felt lonely? Safe? Are you scared? What would make your stay easier to handle while we wait for the ever unknowns of your COVID results? How will you respond if the doctor will ever return my page? When a bed opens up, when you need to go. Can I get you some paper and pencil? Music? Can we pray with you? Sing out loud or better yet? Better yet, I think this whole day in place and city might be better if we could all scream and cry together like women who wail in black when their family dies. I'm grieving what used to feel like family on my unit. I can't tell if it's because we are all grieving, becoming detached, or angry at the loss of control, not just with the virus, but how we believe things should be handled, patients treated, and how we should be able to support ourselves including our mental health and our ability to freaking grieve, not just the loss of normalcy, but losing the sense of ever having a true united front again. Many think we are glue sticking together and bonding over all this. However, so many of us are incapable of even connecting for survival. Cry when I get my car. I purposely wear eye makeup because it motivates me to keep my tears in and not mess up my face while at work. I go through ups and downs. Sometimes I almost feel relieved when a patient dies and can't be admitted. So I have a few more minutes to breathe, quote, real air as I breathe with my mask off. It finally feels good to breathe at work, even when it's in a dirty bathroom. It was the day I stared at the toilet, not wanting to go back to work. I knew I had to do something about these thoughts and emotions. I was staring at the toilet with an overflowing trash can nearby, wishing I could flush what I was feeling down the drain. I felt comforted staring at an image. It's when I realized I was grieving so much, not just depressed, did I become a little more motivated. Not just to get help, but rather heal. I know the gal who started this, and I plan to share with more. Writing this letter is kind of the first thing I've done, taking a step besides drinking my liquor, whining to my boyfriend and mom, or occasionally journaling about it these past nine months. I understand if you don't share this because of how random, harsh, and uneloquent this was. However, if you talk to another healthcare professional who is struggling, please tell them they aren't alone. I already feel a little better just knowing there's a chance others will hear my grief story and maybe try to support someone they know 
or even be aware of the pain and anger a stranger may be dealing with that isn't just about more patients dying and having to wear masks all day, but all the other things we feel we are losing at the same time. I just have a personal disclaimer that having been a healthcare provider, I have my own grief journey, not being present in the hospital with the team that I used to work with, not only supporting my patients that I knew for years that I just had abruptly stop and I wasn't allowed to contact after my job ended, um, but also being there with the staff on those units. I have been grieving this since the day I left. That is just me personally. This is me, Andrea speaking. And I feel the heartaches of this woman and I'm not even at the bedside of these patients and dealing with the demon and dealing with the demands and also just the demons working inside of them. But I also know that there are units that do feel united and supporting each other. I've kept in contact with a lot of staff who have reached out to me, um, not just for counseling support, but just a soundboard. Um, as someone that knows what it's like to be on the inside and now on the outside, just to process things with. And so please, please, especially if you're a healthcare professional, I promise what you're thinking and feeling is not unique out there. What you are feeling and thinking is normal. There is help out there, whether it be just acknowledging it with a coworker. It may actually give them permission to finally let a guard down and share some grief. But I do know in upcoming episodes, we will be interviewing someone that does provide professional help for the professionals in a high loss environment. So stay tuned for podcasts to come. Another story I thought would be timely with the holidays. My husband is a functional alcoholic. He has gone days and sometimes weeks over the years without drinking. And each time I see a light in him that simply feels pure and whole again. He isn't a drunk or at least rarely ever gets sloppy. And I know I'm fortunate he has never been abusive. He is that man who seems to have all his shit together. That's the problem. What's worse is this time of year, his drinking always picks up, yet no one but me is aware of it. I grieve the holiday joy we could have from connecting spiritually rather than whatever spirits are mixed in his cocktail juice. I feel I've lost control of my marriage, future aspirations, and own self-worth. Yet on the outside, people see him as successful, driving nice cars, and never see him have noticeable periods of irritability, withdrawal, and detachment. I've tried talking to him about it. However, he doesn't believe he has a problem because he's never gotten a DUI, hasn't lost a job over it, and is known as a nice guy who's always willing to help people out, even when it's super inconvenient and even during a freaking pandemic. I'm not sure if what I'm feeling is grief, but I certainly know I go through periods of denial of just how much he is able to drink and still function, quote, normal. I'm shocked at times I somehow married an alcoholic because I came from a family of addiction and swore I would never return there. It was pretty normal to have a couple of drinks in the evening or weekends while dating and into the first few years of marriage before kids. However, when I had to be sober while pregnant, he did not. And I learned a lot more about him, me, and us. I'm angry that he doesn't see it as a problem. And I'm angry that again, I've somehow allowed myself to be with someone who makes me feel not good enough, that I'm not worth he not drinking. 
any alcohol for at least 30 godforsaken days. I get depressed about it at times, but usually short-lived. I sometimes accept that this is just how it will be. I'm not against divorce, but I also really want to make this work. I already see a therapist for old issues stemming back to my childhood. However, I've never shared this with her, despite she being considered having a specialty in treating addiction. I hope that if there are any spouses or family members of alcoholics, especially those who are more functional, you are not alone. My goal for 2021 is to somehow deal with this better. I've rewrote this several times and to the and to the point my tears, frustration, and hurt may never get my story right, but I know my story is good enough. I know it needs to be heard, so thank you. Thank you for allowing yourself to sit with the grief hearing these stories. What I'm about to share next is not anonymous. I stumbled upon it. Um, on the Tennessean website, how to process grief and joy during an unusual time. Um, having said that, regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are, if you believe in Jesus or not, I think this reading may not only be a little entertaining, but also encouraging. Again, and as a side note, I love me some Will Ferrell, so I was a little more attracted to this article. All right. Having said that, the author writes, <clears throat> sometimes with all the baby Jesus talk, feels like we are in the Talladega Nights movie scene with Ricky Bobby offering a prayer to tiny infant Jesus and a golden fleece diaper asking him to help him win his car race. This year, though, it feels like we need to celebrate and adore this baby. We could use a baby after the year we have had. We could use this baby whose presence reminds us that love comes down and dwells with us. This baby whose breath calls the world to breathe and hope and new life. This baby whose poverty and vulnerability strengthen us enough so that we can lay down any power or prestige we pretend to possess in our ignorance and vanity and kneel and humanity. So many of us have mourned loss, but we can find joy too. This Christmas, we can celebrate through this baby the truth that the deepest peace lives beyond our understanding. This Christmas season, we are acutely aware because of the gravity pandemics teach that even pure love incarnate is helpless without the care of brothers and sisters who give drink to the thirsty and clothe the naked. This Christmas, as carols and merrymaking are whispers, we feel our grateful and grieving hearts make space for the miracle of wondering. We can wonder like babies and almost fathom why shepherds in a field behold angels, or wise people follow stars and take a knee by the manger. Some tragedies this year were shared by all and built up slowly, and some were painfully and unexpected and deeply personal. The author continues to write, as my sisters grieved the sudden death of her amazing husband in November, my family gathered to mourn the loss of a man we all deeply loved. Everyone was weeping except Ruth, her one-year-old granddaughter, who simply wanted to make back and forth between the dining room chair my sister was sitting in and the wall that stood behind the chair. Ruthie would say, move, please, and my sister had to stand up and move her chair, letting Ruthie scoot behind her. She would stay for about 10 seconds. 10 seconds, then repeat, move peas, starting it all over again. By the fourth pass, it was obvious Ruthie was offering my sister some comic relief. We laughed at her next pass. Ruthie was the angel and the shepherd that offered my sister in the midst of profound grief she will carry for the rest of her life, the pure joy only a baby can offer. How I, 
how we might find hope during this time. The holy baby is the Prince of Peace, the Emmanuel God with us, and love made flesh. Come, let us adore him with the hearts tempered by this year, but still able to wonder. Let us remember as we contemplate in our hearts the power and the powerless, the warmth of a star shining in the night, and the birth that keeps loving the world with our whole hearts. So much about this article I just loved. Now, I've often wondered along with my random thoughts at 3 a.m., what would have happened if we all would have like kept following the North Star? You know, we just had winter solstice. There was the talk about the North Star. And what if for a minute everyone on Earth looked at the same spot in the sky and we all for a moment had hope that this too shall pass? that things can get better, that I can sit with the pain, the discomfort, and the grief. Maybe not the whole world, but what if we started within our home, our family, our workplace, our community at large, if we all gathered just for a minute, or maybe not all at the same time, but even just gathered in moments separately, but more of those collective moments, you know, we talk about collective grief. What about those collective moments of finding the joy in the grief? That energy, that response, that ripple in the water, we can do that. And what a better time than this holiday season. I know that Christmas is not the only holiday that's celebrated. 